Turn with me in the Holy Scriptures tonight to the 30th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel. We'll read together the first 20 verses. My text tonight is the last part of verse 6. The Word of God at 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. And it came to pass, when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziklag, and smitten Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captives that were therein, they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelites, and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought hither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the six hundred men that were with him, and came to the brook Bezor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and four hundred men, for two hundred abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Bezor. And they found an Egyptian in the field, and brought him to David, and gave him bread, and he did eat, and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him. For he had eaten no bread, nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me, because three days agone I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites, and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah, and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag 
with fire. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save four hundred young men, which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives, and there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. And David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those other cattle and said, This is David's spoil. There ends our reading of God's word tonight. May the Lord add his blessing to our reading of the Holy Scripture. My text tonight is the last part of verse 6, but we'll read verse 6 in its entirety. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, is God. No child of God is a stranger to suffering. No one sitting in the congregation tonight is a stranger to the hard circumstances of earthly life that threaten every Christian with despair. Every one of us has known those kinds of circumstances. It may be the case that some of you are experiencing these kinds of circumstances at this very moment. Circumstances of severe trial, heavy burdens, great heartaches, a difficult way painful physical suffering or distress of mind and soul. David, the man after God's own heart, knew such circumstances. The passage records such circumstances, circumstances that brought David to the brink of despair. Everything that could go wrong in David's life had gone wrong. Absolutely everything. Although tempted to become discouraged 
The text informs us that David was not. Instead, the text informs us that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. There's comfort in this passage. Comfort for every child of God. Comfort especially in circumstances of suffering. There's instruction here. Good instruction. Instruction that concerns where we are to go and what we are to do when everything seems to be against us. Like David, we must encourage ourselves in the Lord, our God. I call that to your attention this evening. Encouragement in the Lord. Let's notice, first of all, why this is necessary. In the second place, in what this encouragement consists. And then finally, to what it leads. We're not surprised that at this time in his life, David should have been brought to the brink of discouragement. It seems that everything and everyone was against David. To begin with, David was on the run, a fugitive with a price on his head. Though he had done nothing to provoke King Saul, Saul was determined to kill David. David was forced to flee under those circumstances, to flee out of Israel, taking refuge in the mountains and in the wilderness area to the south of Judah. There, he was separated from his family and from his friends, separated from his father and from his mother, separated from his brethren, separated from friends, those in whom he would have confided ordinarily and would have been a help and a strength to him. Most significantly, David was separated at this time from the house of God and from the public worship services of the people of God. He couldn't go up on the Sabbath day in order to hear God's word, to sing God's praises, to join with like-minded believers in the worship of God. And that was painful, painful suffering for David and for his men. In his flight, David had taken refuge with the Philistines and with one of the lords of the Philistines, that lord of the Philistines who befriended him was Achish. Saul had turned against him, but King 
Achish made David his friend and gave to David and to his men a city in which to dwell and call their own home the city of Ziklag. At this time, David and his 600 men dwelt securely, they supposed, behind the walls of the city of Ziklag. At this time, David and his men had joined Achish and the other lords of the Philistines in order to go with them to battle. But the other lords of the Philistines did not trust David. And so the result was that they forced David to return to the city of Ziklag. Once again, David was rejected. This, in the providence of God, prevented David from going to battle against his own countrymen, the children of Israel. It's a question whether David knew that the Philistines were going to do battle against Israel. It's very likely, in fact, that he did not know that. He had, of course, no quarrel with the children of Israel, even though Saul and his army were pursuing him to kill him. And the part of the chapter that we did not read tonight records David's sending of the spoil that they recovered from the Amalekites, sending a portion of that spoil to the elders of Judah. God in his providence, by sending David back, prevented him from engaging his own countrymen, people of God, in battle. On returning to Ziklag, David and his men found that the city had been conquered by the Amalekites and had been utterly destroyed. The Amalekites had invaded from the south and made war against Ziklag. No one was there to defend the city. They burned Ziklag to the ground, destroying every home in the city. And they took all of the wives and all of the children as their captives. Verse 4, verse 3 rather, informs us of this. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Verse 4 contains the response of David and of his men to this latest calamity. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever wept 
until you had no more power to weep? Such was the grief of David and of his men. And then the last straw, David's own men turned against him. They blamed David, the first part of verse 6. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. They blamed David. They turned on David. They spake even of stoning David. Now David has lost everything. Absolutely everything. Although the circumstances may be different. Circumstances like those in David's life are certainly the experience of God's people throughout history. David's distress is the distress of the saint laid low on account of some great affliction or other. Maybe it's financial distress and ruin. Your business goes under. Maybe it's a debilitating physical disease or other. Maybe it's the result of some serious accident, a work-related injury, or an automobile accident, the results of which are with you the rest of your life. Or maybe it's COVID, a heart attack, a stroke, or the doctor comes to see you and the family after the surgery and says, it's a brain tumor and there's nothing we can do about it or some other cancer. David's distress is the distress of the widow or widower who has lost their spouse. The distress now of losing the one who was closest to them, with whom they have lived their life, raised together their children, enjoyed their grandchildren, now taken away from you so that you are left alone. No matter how much your children and grandchildren visit you, no matter how frequently the pastor and the elders visit you, you must still go to bed alone. 
that is a distress that I think few of us can really imagine. David's distress is the distress of a parent who has lost a child or of children who have lost one of their parents, not because they're 80 or 90 years old, painful though that is, but suddenly, in the prime of life, a mother is taken from her family in which there are a number of small children who need her, we think, who depend upon her. Or a father, the provider for his family, taken suddenly away. Now there's a young widow, and there are children who have no father in their lives. The distress of David is the distress of those who feel themselves rejected, left altogether alone in the world for the sake of the truth, for the sake of membership in the church of Jesus Christ. I think of first-generation Christians in Singapore, in Myanmar, who are rejected by their immediate family, their own parents, their brothers and sisters, completely cut off and ostracized because they have confessed Jesus Christ. It's the distress of the husband who has been abandoned by his wife, or the wife who has left her husband for another lover. David's distress is the distress of those who have been victimized by physical, emotional, or sexual abuse. Maybe that pain is aggravated by the fact that the abuser was one in a position of authority, one to whom they had turned for help in their distress, one who was not a faithful help or counselor, but someone who took advantage of them in their situation. The distress of David is the distress of those who are not married, who have prayed fervently to God that he will bring them a God-fearing husband or a God-fearing wife. God has answered their prayers but he's not answered their prayers in the way in which they had desired. And they are left without a mate. Or, it's the distress of the couple, desirous 
of having covenant children who pray that God will give them covenant children to whom God does not give sons or daughters. The distress of the infertile. A very painful suffering. And there may be any number of other circumstances that bring us, as the circumstances in his life, brought David to the point of despair. David's distress was such a distress that if we put ourselves in David's place, we can imagine that he was about over the edge. In that distress, David was not swallowed up by despair. In his distress, David did not throw his hands up into the air and say, what's the use to think to himself, I cannot go on, not for one more minute. I'm done. I'm finished. That, however, was not David's response. And that, by the power of God's grace, is not either your response or my response to the suffering in our lives. David's response was this, that David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. That David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God, means that without any question, David, in his present circumstances of loss and rejection and suffering, believed that those circumstances came to him from the hand of God. Of course he did. He would not have turned to God for encouragement if he did not believe that these circumstances were under the control of and had been ordained by God. Painful circumstances though they were, circumstances of suffering, circumstances that brought him great anguish of soul, especially, those circumstances were circumstances sent by God. That was David's conviction. 
These were circumstances of loss and sorrow and disappointment. And even the church today tells us that these sorts of circumstances come to us not from the hand of God. These sorts of circumstances come to us from the devil, the hand of the devil. If that's the case, then ultimately there is no encouragement to be found for us from God. If these circumstances come to us apart from the will of God, are outside of the control of God, well then, we certainly cannot be convinced of it, that in those circumstances there is encouragement in God. David turned to God for encouragement because it lived in David's heart that his life was in the hand of God. It lived in David's heart that all his earthly circumstances, not only those things good and pleasant for the flesh to bear, but those things that are hurtful, that cause us suffering, tears to run down our cheeks. These circumstances, too, are from the hand of God. This must be the settled conviction of the child of God. It's the living knowledge that you must enjoy and that I must enjoy. Whatever now our present circumstances may be, we must be convinced of it, that they're not outside of, but that they're in the will and counsel of God. David encouraged himself in the Lord, the text says. Lord is all capitals. That tells us not only the one to whom David turned for his encouragement, but it tells us the reason on account of which David found in him the encouragement that he needed. Lord is Jehovah. Whenever you see it in the King James Bible, in all capital letters, it's Jehovah. Jehovah is the covenant name of God. Jehovah is the covenant God. He is the God who establishes his covenant with us. He is the God who keeps his covenant, who is faithful to his covenant. Jehovah, as the covenant God, is the one who is our friend, our friend, the eternal friend of his people, the one who never, turns against his friends, 
the one who is faithful in his friendship and his commitment to his friendship to his people. That was David's encouragement. That was the comfort that he enjoyed in the troubling circumstances of his life. Everyone had turned against him. Every other friend he had lost. He was rejected by. But there is one friend who never turns against us. One friend who is faithful in every circumstance of life. The friend who never leaves us or ever forsakes us. And that friend is God. But God is our covenant friend in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Savior, Jesus Christ, who is himself, Jehovah, salvation, the very meaning of his name. David knew Jesus Christ. He knew the one of whom he was a great Old Testament type. David knew himself to be God's friend, not because he was that in himself, not because he had befriended God. He knew himself to be God's friend for the sake of Jesus Christ. He knew himself by nature not to be the friend, but the enemy of God. He knew himself by nature to be one who did not deserve to be the friend of God. But he knew Jesus Christ, the one who gives us the right to be friends of God because he endured the wrath, the judgment of God that we, as God's enemies, deserve. For Jesus' sake, on account of the cross of Jesus Christ, nothing in us or do to us. For Jesus' sake, God is the friend, the faithful friend of his people. That is, and that must be the living knowledge of the believer. People of God, look away from your earthly circumstances, distressing though those circumstances may be. Look away from those circumstances and fix your eyes, the eyes of faith, on Jesus Christ. The cross 
of Jesus Christ. Where he was rejected, that we might be received. Where he endured the curse, that we might be the objects of God's blessing. It was because David knew God as the covenant God that he knew God to be his God. The God for him and never, ever against him. That's the text. That's striking in the text. But David encouraged himself in the Lord God. That's not the text. This is the text. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. His, his God. Because God was his God. David knew. David believed. David was convinced that his present distressing circumstances, no matter how painful they were, were not against him, but for him, would turn out for his good now and eternally the Lord his God. That must be the conviction of the suffering saint. Your conviction and my conviction. What an amazing response. Unthinkable. What explains it? Nothing. Nothing in David. Nothing in you and in me. That David would respond the way in which he did to these sorts of circumstances that you and I respond by the grace of God similarly to the painful circumstances in our lives? Nothing in us. It's grace. It's sovereign, amazing grace. You see, God does not only sovereignly arrange the circumstances of our lives, but God is the one who works in us the same response that he worked in David.
This is the evidence of God's grace at work in our lives. When in such distressing circumstances, we respond as David responded, taking our encouragement in the Lord, our God. And the outcome, to what does it lead? The outcome was that God gave to David the strength to carry on. He wasn't swallowed up by his circumstances. He wasn't so distressed as utterly to despair. And that, you see, is exactly what the devil wants. That's what he wants to accomplish in the hard circumstances of our lives, to put us on the shelf, to incapacitate us, We're on the sidelines now. His purpose is that we will not be able to carry on in the calling that God gives to us. And so the outcome is that God gives grace. Grace not only to bear up in such distressing circumstances, but to go on, to go forward, to carry out the demands of our earthly calling. Husband, father, wife, mother, Christian school teacher, office bearer, minister, elder, deacon, whatever calling God has given you and he's given each of us a calling, an important calling in his church. And in his kingdom, the grace to carry on in that calling. That was the outcome for David. David went forward in the calling that God gave him. And God gave him the victory over his enemies. The recovery of his wives and children and everything that had been taken by the Amalekites. That also, by God's grace, is the outcome for you and the outcome for me. The grace to carry on as individuals. The grace to carry on 
in our life, in our marriages, in our families. The grace to carry on as a congregation of believers. The grace to carry on as a denomination of churches. To carry on under the word of God in faithfulness to our God. Then God is glorified. And that, that is, that must be always the outcome. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, we thank thee for thy unfailing faithfulness, for the assurance given to us tonight through thy word that nothing can separate us from thy love for us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. May we tonight, as a fruit of the preaching of thy word, each of us, encourage ourselves in the Lord, our God. Forgive our sins. Send us home with thy blessing, for Jesus' sake. Amen.